Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state, or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in Speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services, and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication, and so much more for all sorts of makes, models, and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 WRacing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au. A Motorsport Podcast Network production. G'day race fans, welcome to the Castrol Motorsport News Podcast. I'm your host Will Dale and here's what's making headlines this week. The TCR and Trans Am titles were decided in pretty dramatic fashion at the super cheap auto Bathurst International. In TCR, the World Tour drivers got one over on the all the locals with Santiago Arutia, Norby Mikolas and Jan Erlachey taking all three race wins. But the big winner of the weekend was Josh Bucken, who pipped Bailey Sweeney to the title after the former points leader endured a disastrous final couple of races. Uh, over in Trans Am, James Moffat sealed the title despite a mechanical issue in the final race that saw him pit for repairs. And despite taking the flag a lap down in 14th, it was enough to see him pip teammate Lockie Dalton to the crown. On the undercard at Bathurst, Marcus Sikanovic finally took a Touring Car Masters round win in his XD Falcon. Super 3 standout Cameron McLeod swept the V8 Touring Car Sprints while Jubagwana sealed the title. Nash Morris took out the pro class in the Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge while Kiwi racer Marco Giltrap won that title. And Tim Lay swept all four Proddy Car races. We've finally got a Repco Supercars Championship calendar for 2024 and we'll talk more about it and answer your mailbag questions about it later in the show. But supercars won't be the only Australian category racing at Topor when the championship heads there next year. Porsche Carrera Cup Australia will join the support bill, marking only the second time the category has held a points race offshore. In the co-driver's seat, as always, is Stefan Bartholomeus. Let's get straight into it with our Castrol high-spec stars of the week. Steph, who's yours going to? Well, there were a number of great storylines that came out of the Bathurst International, as you touched on in the news. But for me, there were none better than James Moffat winning that Trans Am title. It looked like it had gone up in smoke for him with that oil leak in the last race, but the team patched it back together. And there was just something really special about seeing James enjoy such a major career moment at Bathurst and also in a red Trans Am Mustang. Oh, absolutely. And a nice slaying of the demons for him as well off the back of his crash in the 1000, which um, it's it's not often you get to um, immediately go back and replace a bad memory with a good one. So that was great to see. Uh, for mine, there were no shortage of candidates for a star at Bathurst. Um, I'm going with John Bauer primarily for his move at the end of the second TCM race to grab a podium around the outside of Cameron Tilly at Murray's Corner on the last corner of the race. Look, that was an absolute ripper and uh, not too shabby for a guy who's nearing the end of his Chow for Now tour. Yeah, that was uh, that was a beauty, that uh, pass. And it's just going to be weird seeing TCM races without John Bauer in them. 
next year, isn't it? Like, oh, for sure. hopefully, hopefully, even without John there, the class can rebuild and get back to to what it's been in the past and what it can be because it's still got all the makings of a great category and it's it's fun to see cars with different strengths and weaknesses like we saw there with the Tirana and the Pacer battling against each other. Absolutely. Uh, we'll chat more about the Super Cheap Auto Bathurst International later in the show, but let's get things underway with a little bit of supercars chat. And we've had a bit of silly season news in the past seven days. First things first, Bryce Fullwood has secured his place on the Repco Supercars Championship grid until at least the end of 2025, and he'll be sticking with Brad Jones Racing. They've announced that they've done a multi-year extension to his current deal. I think we're finally starting to see what the little Territorian is capable of this year. He had a bit of an up and down time at Walkinshaw Andretti United and even last year at BJR was a bit the same, but it feels like that combination has really started to gel this year in Gen 3. Yeah, Bryce has been one of the big improvers this year. He's currently ninth in the championship, which is eight places higher than he ended last year and he's helped that BJR garage to third in the team's championship at the moment. So that's a pretty good return from his season. And when you combine all that with the MIDI sponsorship that, that he brings along, it's, yeah, it was a no brainer for BJR to, to retain him. And that's obviously one half of the BJR quartet locked in. They've also got Andre Heimgartner clearly as their spearhead, but we're still all waiting to see if Zach Best is going to end up replacing Jack Smith over on the other side of the garage. Stay tuned for that. Um, the next bit of silly season news is something our colleague Connor O'Brien broke on V8 Sleuth last night. Triple Eight and Super Cheap Auto have done the whole Repco Bathurst 1000 wildcard thing for a few years now, where they've paired a young gun with a veteran. They've signed Craig Lowndes on for a couple more years, and the mail is that Super Two rookie Cooper Murray is going to slot in alongside CL next year. Yeah, that's obviously pretty exciting for Cooper if he ends up as the latest in a line of young guns to slot into that entry. It's a, it's a big deal. And he really made a big splash on debut in Super 2 this year. Like he scored a pole and and a win in the first race there in, in Newcastle. And he's been solid from there without quite hitting those heights again. But next year, he could have a pretty big program if he's back in Super 2 with Eggleston's co-driving that Triple Eight wildcard and potentially doing a solo wildcard or two as well. Oh, absolutely. Uh, now, it's not clear at the moment what all this means for the young gun in this year's program, Zane Goddard, uh, but with no real main game seats left and Triple Eight already having potentially four co-drivers for three cars, uh, it seems like his best hope is probably a co-drive elsewhere. For sure. I mean, Triple Eight obviously had a full-time seat and a co-driving seat for 2024 that they've gone elsewhere to fill. So Zane is on the hunt for a co-drive somewhere else, but I'm sure there were some within the wildcard program who wanted to keep him in that role. But the idea is to keep it turning over and change the driver alongside Craig. It was a shame, I think, that the mechanical failure at Bathurst kind of robbed Zane of of a result or a real chance to, to shine there in that wildcard this year. But at least that whole program brought him back after that low of 2022 when he uh, crashed out early. Absolutely. Uh, And Tickford has revealed that it's dipping into Supercar's third tier at the Adelaide 500 in a couple of weeks with young Toyota 86 star Ryland Gray, who is set to drive one of their old FGX Falcons in Super 3. Uh, 
He's been part of the team's Tickford Autosport Young Driver Program this year, and he's actually been out doing a couple of test days in a supercar with them at Winton and recently at Sydney Motorsport Park. Uh, but Steph, it's going to make for a pretty busy workload for the team in Adelaide because they're now fielding seven cars across the main game and the Dunlop series. Yeah, there'll be plenty of opportunities for the TV to interview Tim Edwards when uh, things are going on during his final weekend with the team, I'm sure. But uh, it's it's actually like cool to see a Falcon back in the Dunlop series. Uh, like We haven't seen one at all this year, and this is the car that Nash Morris drove previously, which started life as the Geldwen car way back in 2013 for Alex Davison. So Ryland, Ryland Gray is like, he's obviously pretty keen to go Super 3 racing because he's done all that testing, as you mentioned, and he's going to go straight into a race meeting a couple of days after he reaches the minimum age limit of 17. I mean, what a 17th birthday present though. It's a heck of a place to debut as well, Adelaide. Like um, you can do all the running around Winton that you like, but um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, turn eight at Adelaide is a bit different to turn eight at Winton. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Now, we've finally got a full 2024 Repco Supercars Championship calendar. Supercars dropped it in full on Friday, and on the off chance that you haven't seen it, here's a quick rundown. Uh, Round one will be at Mount Panorama for the Bathurst 500 on February 23 to 25 as part of the week-long Bathurst Superfest that starts with the 12-hour. Round two is the Melbourne Super Sprint at Albert Park, supporting the Formula One Australian Grand Prix on March 21 to 24. Round three, we return to New Zealand with the ITM Topor Super 400 at Topor Motorsport Park, April April 19 to 21. Uh, Round four, we head all the way over the other side of the country for the Perth Super Sprint at Wanneroo Raceway on May 17 to 19. Round five, it's the traditional stop up in the Northern Territory for the Better Darwin Triple Crown at Hidden Valley Raceway on June 14 to 16. Round six then takes us to the town NTI Townsville 500 at the Reed Park Street Circuit on July 5 to 7. Round seven, the only night race of the season, the Bow Repairs Sydney Super Night at Sydney Motorsport Park on July 19 to 21. Round eight, the Ned Whiskey Tasmania Super Sprint at Simmons Plains Raceway on August 16 to 18. Round nine, the Penrite Oil Sandown 500 at Sandown Raceway, September 20 to 22. Then round 10, the big one, Repco Bathurst 1000 at Mount Panorama on October 10 to 13. Round 11, the Boost Mobile Gold Coast 500 at Surfers Paradise on October 25 to 27. And then round 12, the season finale, the Velo Adelaide 500 on the beloved Adelaide Parkland Street Circuit, November 14 to 17. Steph, we already knew bits and pieces of all of that, but what's your first impression now we've got the full thing? Well, the best and the worst parts we already knew. I think New Zealand returning clearly is the highlight and losing a marquee event like Newcastle is the low light. But overall, when you see it all together, 
to only have 12 events and 11 circuits because Bathurst, of course, is being repeated. It's unfortunately, it's a disappointing calendar. There's no way to get around that. I mean, there's various financial and structural reasons why it's stuck at 12, but it's a disappointing result from a fan point of view because they're simply not racing enough and they're not going to enough places where the fan base is like Winton and Ipswich. Absolutely. And that's, as you say, it's a fan point of view. We definitely heard when we put the call out to questions, but we'll get we'll get to those in a couple of minutes. Um, another track that's not on that list was the bend. So the word was that it was negotiations with the bend that was one of the last stumbling blocks on the calendar being released. And it's not on the 2024 calendar, but it will be on the calendar in 2025 when Shell V Power Motorsport Park hosts a 500k enduro, which is something that the Shahins have been after for a long time. I mean, if you think back to 2020, we actually were meant to do the pre-Bathurst enduro at the bend before COVID and all that changed. But Steph, that does raise a key question. Uh, What does this mean for the Sandown 500? Well, Supercars is obviously not ruling anything out at the moment because like us they don't actually know how long Sandown will continue to operate as a motor racing venue for but it feels like a pretty big hint that it's on the way out when they line up the replacement already it it seems unlikely that the teams would cop a return to three endurance races from a cost point of view so even if Sandown was still in existence in 2025 it could potentially be a sprint round so It'll be interesting to see how this all plays out from a timing point of view next year as well and whether this 60th anniversary Sandown 500 in September is a celebration or more of a wake. Yes. Uh, Personally, I wouldn't be upset to lose a few practice sessions over the course of the year if it means we could do 500Ks of racing at Sandown, but uh, I'm not the one who has to pay for it. So that probably ends there. Uh, Another feature of next season is that Supercars is reintroducing timed races. So Wanneroo, Hidden Valley and Simmons Plains will all feature a pair of one-hour timed races, one on Saturday, one on Sunday, and each of those races will include a compulsory pit stop for at least two tyres. Steph, what do you make of the move? Well, this part was a surprise and it's a fairly key shift for the category to make, even if it's only for three rounds. I'm told it's really been driven by the broadcasters because they want consistency in the start times and the race durations, more like they get with football. And also the ratings for the first of the Sunday races typically aren't as good as for the second. So they want to focus it around one race per day. I don't think it's a good look that they've reduced the number of races as well as failing to expand the number of events but I can see what they're trying to do with some of those factors. Oh, for sure. And when you look at how long the races at those venues actually lasted total this year, um, numbers-wise, it actually does – it's roughly equivalent. I know certainly for Simmons Plains, it's roughly equivalent to the amount of racing we got this year. Um, I personally don't mind it, if nothing from a nostalgic point of view, purely because when I first started watching the sport back at the end of the 80s, they made this big switch to timed races for all the championship rounds and it was this whole revolutionary concept uh, for the Touring Car Championship. I do kind of find it funny that there was that big declaration a couple of years ago by a previous Supercars administration um, that had listened to fans and was getting rid of time certain races altogether 
And um, here we are going the complete other way and getting rid of lap counts. But uh, anyway, I digress. Well, I guess the the thing with the time certain is that you feel cheated. You didn't get the amount of laps you were promised where this actually avoids the situation because you are promised a certain amount of time and that's what you get delivered no matter uh, whether there's safety cars or, or whatever else. So in a way it kind of avoids that. But it is funny you, you bring up the, the fact that it's been done before the 60-minute races. Like uh, there's very little that comes up that hasn't uh, appeared at some point in history that the race lengths there is one thing, but so much action happens at the start of these races. So I am a little concerned about losing the amount of races. And we've seen, again, like the Adelaide 500 went to two Saturday races for a while because their fan feedback had said, we want to see more starts, we want to see more action. But then eventually that that went back to its traditional way as well. So, yeah, I think um, it's this was a surprise, but uh, let's wait and see how they go. So we now know more about the calendar than we did this time last week, but there are still a few unknowns, namely the Australian Grand Prix support race format. Steph, it'll be interesting to see how all of that shakes out with respect to all the wrangling that's gone on over the support pit lane and paddock and track times, for that matter, with Formula 2 and Formula 3. Yeah, there's a bit of detail to, to play out there, but it looks like they're going to be sprint races with no pit stops now that they don't have the pit lane. And and I think all of those things are fine to an extent. Like it's better for supercars to be there than not, considering how massive Formula 1 has become and how big a stage that is. But um, it sort of loops back to the earlier point about 2025 like supercars is in a bit of trouble in victoria if sandown isn't back in some form in 25 because they can't end up with albert park and a couple of sprint races as their only victorian event of the season i'm sure winton would be very happy to field phone calls now we made the calendar our call out topic for the motorsport news mailbag this week because we wanted to know what you the fans think of it And given we had over 130 comments on the post since it went up last night, there's definitely a bit of feeling out there about it. Um, A lot of your comments took aim at there being just 12 races. Uh, Just looking through a few of them, Trish Medhurst said 12 rounds. It's like part-time racing. Uh, Adam Evans, we need at least 20 rounds. Uh, Curtis Baird asked, though, as much as we all want racing every week of the year, What realistically is the most races that we can have on a calendar without teams crying poor too much? And what tracks would you like added to a full race calendar? Um, In terms of tracks, our listeners supplied a pretty full list. I mean, Shannon Lambert asked about QR coming back onto the schedule. A few others asked about Phillip Island and Winton. But uh, back to Curtis's main question, Steph, it's the structure of Supercars deals with the teams and its primary broadcaster, Fox Sports, that effectively dictate that we're either getting a 12-round calendar or a 15-round calendar with no option in between. Yeah, it's it's a complex one, but it's essentially a combination of the TV deal and then the way the team's racing charter, which is the contract that binds the teams to the series. It's the way those things have been written. The teams need to be paid a whole chunk more by supercars for any extra event beyond the minimum of 12. So for supercars to go and run, say, Winton, Queensland Raceway or Phillip Island or or wherever as a 13th event, they just can't make the numbers work. Supercars cops all the operating costs 
and then has to pay out a heap of money to the teams. So they end up losing cash. The Bend is a slightly different situation because the circuit promotes its own events. So the Shahins pay supercars to turn up, but it runs into the same problem because the sanction fee that supercars has to set to cover its own costs is so high that it just doesn't work without major government money. And the only way we're getting a 13th event at the moment is if a government wants to write a massive check, which is why they're still chasing Qatar for a possible non-championship round next December. Indeed. Uh, going back to a few of the other comments, Narelle Riley said, Tassie in the depths of winter? I mean, fair call. I've been to, look, I've been to Tassie in May before and like it was chilly, but it was still pretty delightful. Uh, but Supercars has raced at Simmons Plains in August just once, and that was back in 1999 when it was both very cold and also very, very wet. Unfortunately, smaller events like this end up getting moved around to their own detriment, depending on what else is going on in the schedule. So, yeah, Launceston, it's a wonderful place, but August is going to test everyone's sense of humour, I'd reckon. Indeed. Uh, another comment here from Joel Steele. Good that we don't have a round to take the kids camping for in Victoria anymore, I guess. Wouldn't want the next generation of fans to get too cosy. Uh, dripping with sarcasm there. Look, um, look, I agree. Winton feels like one of those heartland races where families like Joel's could camp out and enjoy some good supercars racing. And I reckon the Gen 3 cars would have been pretty fun to watch around Winton um, in a racing sense. I always had in the back of my mind one of the things that, and of course this is a this is a I'm not paying for it, so of course it could happen kind of idea, is like a country music festival run in conjunction with a Winton Supercars round, or for that matter a QR round, feels like it would be a pretty good deal. I'll, uh, I'll leave you to the country music, I think. Um, I'll, <laughs> I'll stick to the Supercars. <laughs> oh, we, we can have Western as well, you know, both kinds of music, so that's fine. Gary Balchin was one of a few people to make a point about the New Zealand round. Why wouldn't they have two rounds in New Zealand with a week apart? The Highlands Motorsport Park is a great track and venue and would be a great addition. Steph, a New Zealand doubleheader would really be a good thing, but as it is, Supercars has had to work pretty hard just to get one Kiwi round back on the calendar. Yes, this is just like all the others. If there was a big government check that, uh, that came with it, then uh, it could be a chance, but unless that's the case, then it's not going to happen, unfortunately. Indeed. Uh, look, thanks again for all your questions. I, I really wish we had happier answers for you, but at the end of the day, the sport is still in quite the battle to survive, and while it's certainly far from an ideal calendar, it, it is the calendar we've got, and we can only hope that the commercial conditions improve to allow that calendar to grow to a bigger number in the future and that the drivers and teams turn on plenty of good racing across the next 12-round schedule to tide us over in the meantime. The Super Cheap Auto Bathurst International was the big show in Australia last weekend, and didn't it turn on a bit of action? I mean, we covered off all the big winners in the headlines at the top of the show, but Steph, how good were those dramatic title deciders in both TCR and Trans Am? They were hugely dramatic. It certainly had the uh, TV commentators scrambling and doing their best to keep us up to date with what it all meant. Uh, obviously, in TCR, Bailey Sweeney's disaster was to Josh Buchan's benefit, and you just had to feel for Bailey, really, considering he set the pace and led for most of the year, and he ended up, I think, with two mechanicals during the season that really 
cost him a lot. And then then Moff in Trans Am, we, we covered before they pulled that one out of the fire in the last race. And I think overall it was a it was an amazing weekend of storylines for the event and there was some really good racing as well, but it was a shame that it was so messy in parts. I mean, to have TCM, Trans Am and TCR all finish their marquee races on Sunday under safety car was pretty disappointing. Yeah, it wasn't uh, wasn't the greatest look. Um, congratulations as well to Drew Bagwana on stitching up the Kumo V8 Touring Car Series title. I mean, he was clearly the class of the field across the full season, but he's certainly got himself a yardstick to measure against now after how Cameron McLeod went um, in a cameo appearance and just dominating that Bathurst round. Yeah, Cam's domination was a bit of a reality check for Jude that's for sure, but it's hardly a fair comparison considering all the miles that Cam's been doing lately in a few different cars and he's looked every bit the star in recent months when you look at his form in Super 3, the sports sedan, performance on the Gold Coast and then the V8 touring cars at Bathurst where even uh, the, the jump start penalty and falling to the rear in that last race didn't stop him from blazing through and and getting the five-second advantage that he needed to, to still win. So... He's obviously been getting some good help from Brad Neal, who owns that Super 3 Nissan that he races and the Falcon that that he was driving on the weekend. And that SP Tools Falcon, it's just such a cool-looking car, isn't it? And it was just great to see another emerging young star behind the wheel and driving it hard and and winning some races. All just a bit of history repeating, really. Um, It was the last time we'll see the Speed Series on Stan. That coverage really marked over the weekend kind of marked the end of a bit of an era. Uh, While the quality of the coverage has always been quite high, it really needed to be one of a suite of bigger properties that included F1 or supercars to really stack up for Stan. And Steph, the mooted move to a predominantly free-to-air partner can only be good for the drivers and the categories themselves anyway. Well, for sure, and we touched on this last week that it needs change in this department and change clearly is coming. Motorsport Australia took the TV rights back from ARG and they've uh, they've got a good relationship with Seven, clearly. They, they're involved with them on the Australian Rally Championship and that side of things. So it looks like that's where the Speed Series is heading as well. Clearly not its main channel, but at least through something like its digital offering, Seven Plus, if it's there, then everyone can access it. It's not hidden behind a paywall. And so there's that element. And then there's clearly a wider consolidation going on at the moment with ARG and the categories it runs. So hopefully they can pull out of all of this and and the show can emerge a bit stronger next year. I guess the other takeaway from the weekend is that the event is finally getting towards what it was always supposed to be when the ARG and a host of other people pitched to Bath City Council back in 2019 to try and secure secure their event for this race weekend. I mean, we had that solid contingent of international drivers and cars in TCR. We had a bunch of Kiwis coming over for Touring Car Masters. But we are still missing the big American contingent of Trans Am races and look, while it was cool to see those open wheelers out on track, it's not quite the same as a big field of S5000s with a big name XF1 stars taking on the locals. We know the event's still got one year remaining on its contract, but Steph, do you think it's done enough to continue beyond that, even with this with this trend in an upwards direction? It's a tough question and clearly it's had its critics and 
and on the weekend you could see that the the attendance was incredibly low, which is um, unfortunate but not surprising from an international point of view. I think just having the TCR World Tour element legitimizes that a fair bit, and, and they've said that's going to happen again next year. I think some of the criticism around the Bathurst International sort of related to the whole cap of like five event slots allowed at Bathurst each year and whether it should be taking up one of those. But, I mean, clearly with the way Supercars has engineered an extra event off the back of the Bathurst 12-hour, that's not such a big issue that it was kind of made out to be. So, I mean, as long as the promoter can make it work with with so little fans attending, I don't see why this event should be uh, stopped. Let's take a look at the international scene now and the MotoGP title battle took another turn at Sepang. Peko Bagnaia extended his margin over Jorge Martin by one point across the Malaysian Grand Prix weekend. Martin finished second to Alex Marquez in the sprint with Bagnaia third, while the factory Ducati man also took third in the Grand Prix, but one spot ahead of his Primac Ducati rival in fourth. Both title contenders, however, had to take a back seat to Ennio Bastianini, the beast finally turning around his injury-riddled season with his first win as a factory Ducati rider ahead of Alex Marquez and Bagnaia, while Jack Miller came home eighth on the KTM. And just 14 points separate Bagnaia and Martin with two rounds to go. The NHRA Championship Drag Racing Series wrapped up its season with the finals at Pomona in California. Top field drags the title boiled down to a winner-take-all final round between Leah Pruitt and Doug Kalitta, and it was Kalitta that got the Wally and the title, his first in 26 seasons of competing in the series. Meanwhile, Matt Hagen took out his fourth Funny Car title, Erica Enders her sixth Pro Stock title, and Gage Herrera took out his first Pro Stock motorcycle title. Now time for one of my favourite segments each week. What's caught your eye on My 105? Steph? What's grabbed your interest this week? I've found an unusual little beast this week. <laughs> it's called a Nissan Saurus. It's a little single-seat sports car that was built by Nismo for one-make races in the early 90s. Right. And this particular car is in Adelaide and has a 450-horsepower SR23 motor. So it's got a fair bit of grunt for 500 kilos of racing car. It's It's got a factory Nissan colour scheme on it too, so it, it looks pretty trick. That sounds all very delightful. How much is how much does he want? Uh, 28 grand, I think. It's, it's really a little hill climb sort of track car like that. Obviously, it's not built to rules that you can uh, race it in a particular series. Um, so, yeah, but a fair bit of go for the money, I'd suggest. Uh, very true. Uh, for mine, it's actually a road car on there that's caught my eye this week. It's a genuine Mark One Lotus Cortina in the iconic ermine white with green flash and mini light wheels so I can go and live out all my Jim Clark touring car fantasies. Actually, it was also an ex-Appendix J race car earlier in its life as well. Uh, but being a genuine Lotus Cortina, it's unfortunately got a genuine Lotus Cortina price tag at $110,000. So that may, that may just stay as a hypothetical purchase just for the moment. <laughs> and don't forget, you can visit my105.com for those two machines and plenty more cars, bikes, carts, trailers and transporters, parts and accessories. Before we go, let's look to the weekend ahead. 
Formula One is racing on the chilly streets of Las Vegas. MotoGP is also racing under the lights in Qatar, while the annual Macau Grand Prix is also having its running for 2023 this weekend. Closer to home, the Australian Rally Championship wraps up in Canberra with the National Capital Rally, and the Queensland Circuit Racing Championship is out at Morgan Park. Steph, I'm genuinely excited about the Las Vegas F1 race, purely because it's actually on at a very respectable time for Australian viewers. Uh, what are you looking forward to most this weekend? Oh, it's hard to go past the Las Vegas race, isn't it? I think um, F1 itself has spent a heap of money on it. They've kind of flipped their usual formula and they're promoting this themselves as part of their overall growth strategy. So, yeah, they've sunk a lot of money in and now it's time to see what they get out. Well, the, the money they must be putting in is enormous because that brand new attraction in Las Vegas, the Sphere, I don't know if you've seen anything on it. It's, it is like mm-hmm. a big light-up sphere, but it's a it's a... Um, it's also a concert venue. So you two are doing a massive residency there over, I think it started late, mid to late October, runs all through November, December, except for a period of time around the F1 race because the track utilizes part of that precinct. So F1's had to pay the, um, pay the owners and operators of the sphere to basically rent the place even though they're not technically using it. Yeah, I think they've even bought some some land as part of this whole whole shooting match. And, um, yeah, the a number I read was half a billion dollars that F1 has sunk into this project. Um, so, yeah, obviously a big spend, a, a big gamble, you might say, but um, you wouldn't doubt uh, too many of their decisions based on how they've grown the F1 business over the last few years. Very true. And on that note, that is it for this week. So for Stefan Patholomaeus, I'm Will Dale, and we'll be back next Tuesday with a fresh episode of Castrol Motorsport News. Hey, it's Chaz Mostert here, and yes, I'm inside your speaker. I'm in here because I have a special message for you from Clayton in Melbourne. If you're a club, state or national racer on the circuit or on the dirt in speedway or rallying, you can now tap into the know-how of Walkinshaw Racing Services and you don't need a supercar to get in the door. The same expertise that's won multiple Bathurst 1000s and V8 Supercar Championships is now available for you to call upon. From bonnet to bumper, WRS can help you with engines, design, paint, machining, fabrication and so much more for all sorts of makes, models and categories. Have a chat with Walkinshaw Racing Services and tell them what matters to you. Call now on 1300 W Racing or email services at walkinshawracing.com.au.